Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Road rage. It's something I think everyone listening has experienced. Whether you experienced it yourself or saw someone else explode in anger whilst driving. For most, it's a simple screaming match between you and your steering wheel an argument no one else is really privy to. But for others, it can be a deadly interaction. On July 31st, 2013, a man was executed for what the courts were calling a deadly case of road rage. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On August 25th, 1998, a man named Douglas Allen Feldman was riding his motorcycle in Plano, Texas, when an 18-wheeler came up beside him, passed him, and pulled suddenly into the lane in front of him. Furious that this truck had just cut him off, this man then pulled out a 9mm pistol and began firing into the back of the trailer. Witnesses looked on as Douglas reloaded his weapon, pulled alongside the cab, and began firing directly at 36-year-old driver Robert Everett. Twelve shots later, Robert was dead, and Douglas sped off towards home. About 30 to 45 minutes later, reports vary. Douglas had passed a gas station in Dallas about 11 miles from where Robert sat dead in the cab of his semi, and saw a gas tanker refilling the station's supply. For whatever reason, Douglas pulled his gun back out and, as he drove past the man just doing his job, pulled the trigger yet again and shot 62-year-old Nicholas Velasquez twice in the back and killed him. 
Douglas Feldman then drove home like nothing happened. Twelve days later, while driving past a fast food restaurant in his Land Rover, Douglas spotted a man named Antonio Vega talking on a payphone. Douglas once again pulled out that pistol and shot three times at the unsuspecting stranger who was seriously injured but remarkably survived the attack. A bystander who watched the entire scene unfold was quick to jot down the car's license number. And on that very same day, Douglas Allen Feldman was arrested, at which point police found two firearms and hundreds of rounds of ammunition, which were later matched by ballistics to the bullets and pistols used in all three attacks. So, why did he do it? Why did this complete stranger lose his temper on the road and take it out on not just the driver who offended him, but two more strangers who had nothing to do with it? 41-year-old Douglas Feldman had grown up in a house where his father abused him both physically and emotionally, which may explain his drug use for which he had previously been arrested and charged with possession of a controlled substance and robbery. Prior to his arrest and since his graduation from high school, Douglas had worked a series of labor jobs in Texas and at some point had worked as a financial analyst in the area but for the past handful of years had dove deeper and deeper into his drug abuse, which left him paranoid and emotionally raw. In fact, he had received inpatient treatment and received antidepressants in the past, and just a month before the shootings, had been admitted to the Parkland Memorial Hospital after his family expressed their worry about his extreme stress. He didn't stay too long, though, as he found the level of noise to be too much for him to handle. By the time he reached his trial, Douglas was still fuming from the incident that led him to kill. He recounted to jurors how he was minding his own business when, quote, the truck came out of nowhere just flying, saying the trailer was about 12 to 18 inches from the handlebar of his vintage Harley Davidson and that he feared for his life. In a matter-of-fact tone, he continued to explain how he chased down Robert Everett and shot him to death. He then continued on to admit that, while Nicholas Velasquez and Antonio Vega did nothing to provoke him, he was still consumed by anger after the incident with the semi-truck, that he felt, quote, emotionally compelled to kill again, with his lawyers urging the jury to consider his state of mind when the attack took place that Douglas felt as though he was under attack and needed to defend himself. He went on to point out that Robert Everett was driving with a suspended license at the time of the murder, and that it had been suspended twice before for four different speeding citations, trying to prove that his client's story about his erratic driving. The prosecution, however, told the jury that anger wasn't a valid defense, and that Douglas, like most of us would have done, should have simply moved away. The jury only needed 24 minutes to convict Douglas Feldman of capital murder after hearing his remorseless testimony. At the penalty phase of the trial, previously withheld information that about the defendant was freed up, and the jury listened on as the prosecution laid out Douglas's juvenile court record, which showed a history of credit card abuse, drug possession, aggravated robbery, assault, and narcotics possession. Of these offenses, which were laid out in detail for the jury, one included a man named James Brantley, 
who recalled a violent encounter on December 6, 1996, when Douglas, driving that same Land Rover, collided with his restored 1984 Firebird and sped off. Furious, James tried to catch up with Douglas as he repeatedly slammed on his brakes to try and cause another crash. When Douglas finally stopped his car and exited his vehicle, he was holding a ball-peen hammer, got on top of James's Firebird, and started to smash it with all his strength. After he was done, he told the shocked driver to leave him alone, or he would kill him. He then got back into his Land Rover and drove it backwards onto the hood of James's car before driving off. Two days later, James was in the hospital with an acute scalp contusion, and Douglas was coughing up $6,500 to settle the ensuing lawsuit. Similar stories were told left and right, and an ex-girlfriend named Elizabeth Garcia testified in court that Douglas had initiated contact with her while in jail awaiting his trial, and read the letters he sent her in which he expressed the enjoyment he felt after killing Robert Everett and Nicholas Velasquez, stating he wished to see more people get shot, and described a fantasy that involved him walking through Dallas stores and shooting all of the shopkeepers who ever angered him in the past or the police officers who cited him for traffic violations. That murder should be legal and comparable to hunting game animals. All of these stories left the jury with just one option, sentencing Douglas, who clearly had a pattern of violence, to death on September 22, 1999. While behind bars awaiting his execution, Douglas had a recorded 136 disciplinary actions and once ripped a phone from the wall just before a scheduled media visit. On July 31, 2013, after a day spent with friends eating sandwiches and chips, Douglas Allen Feldman was led to the execution chamber where the 55-year-old had these final words to say. I hereby declare Robert Stephen Everett and Nicholas Velasquez guilty of crimes against me, Douglas Allen Feldman. Either by fact or by proxy, I find them both guilty. I hereby sentence them both to death, which I carried out in August of 1998. As of that time, the state of Texas has been holding me illegally in confinement and by force for 15 years. I hereby protest my pending execution and demand immediate relief. As the drugs were injected into his system, Douglas grimaced, took a few deep breaths, and began snoring. Thirteen minutes later, he was pronounced dead. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 1st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.